0: That is our story this morning. Um, am I am I on? Check, check. Here we go. That is our story this morning that we've all walked into this place, right? Uh, Some of us have come stumbling in. Um, Some of us have come in just ready to receive from God. But the the story is is that this is our story. And I hope that that we just get to um, experience exactly what we just sung about is that we just get to see Jesus for who he is. We're able to remember who Jesus has been for us. We're able to celebrate who he is for us today. And if you come walking into this place and you have no idea, Idea who Jesus is, or if you're wrestling with Jesus is, I hope you leave today understanding a little bit more about who this amazing God is that has come from heaven to rescue and to redeem. So that is our, our story this morning. So that's what I hope that, that we experience as we just continue to move forward. Uh, as Matt was saying earlier during our announcement time, is that this morning is a special morning. This morning is is centering on baptisms. Not only are we going to talk about baptism, we're also gonna experience baptisms three people are going to come up and get to um, be dunked in the tank it is an exciting morning for us as we just get to to experience that with them so if you want to think about this morning uh, as um so that the sermon time has like part one and part two that's kind of how i'm approaching it is uh is let's just unpack this a little bit and then we'll walk right on in to just celebrate uh what what jesus is doing in the life of, of three people with inside of our church Uh, As we just kind of dive into this conversation, I I, want to talk about this for a second. Every single one of us in this room, we all have monumental moments in our lives. Things have happened to us that shape who we are today. Today. Some of them may be negative. And um, as, as Matt was praying earlier, some of those things shape who we are today and what we do with them and how we find healing shape who we are today. But also there are, are other things that maybe happened on the playground whenever you were in, uh, in, in kindergarten or something that happened whenever you were in high school or in college or even in your adult life that you've made choices or that things have happened to you that have shaped you in a positive way. We all have these monumental moments But what we tend to do as human beings is we tend to compare our monumental moments to other people's moments, and we start feeling a little insignificant. We start feeling like we're just kind of existing here on this earth. A couple of examples for you. There's this guy that's not known very well. His name is Phil Knight. Um, uh, And so he started this small company called Nike. Um, You know, I'm not a Phil Knight apologist. I don't know all the details of his life. Wikipedia shares a little bit. But um, also you hear things here and there, right? Where this guy's just an entrepreneurial, right? Like he had things, he had choices. He had to make things that happened to him that are monumental, right? He went to the University Of Oregon. He ended up uh, putting together this idea for a shoe company because of some relationships that he had. He ended up um, talking to the track coach over at the University of Oregon who partnered with him selling these shoes out of the trunk of his car to people that went to the university. And now he has one of the biggest brands in the whole world, right? We look at Phil Knight, you're like, my story's pretty small. what am I doing with my life, right? Um, if it's not that, then, then maybe it's uh, Jeff Bezos, right? You know who he is? Bezos uh, it started Amazon. You're like, he's doing something right, at least in that part of his life, right? Um, or you got Bill Gates, who started Microsoft. And man, you're like, I, I could use a couple extra billion dollars in my pocket. Yeah, that's, that, that's great. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, you know who he is, right? Who started Facebook. You know, he just, him and some college friends got together to want to just do something to connect people, and now it's, it is what it is today, right? We, we look at these people, and it, maybe it's unfair for us as just normal Joes in the world to compare ourselves to, to these, these big-time people, but, but we do, right? If it's not them, then maybe it's someone that's a little bit more closer to us, or someone that we idolize, or a mentor that we have that might have a little bit more success than we do. We just end up comparing our monumental moments to their monumental moments, and we start feeling a little insignificant. Whatever your passions or whatever your professions, whether you're a mountain biker or whether you're a skateboarder or if you're a mom, uh, I'm sure you can find someone that is doing it better than you and their stories will always seem a little bit more glamorous than the story that you find yourself in. That's just the nature of humanity that we end up just comparing ourselves. We see all of our faults and all of our um, insecurities and, and down, down, downward spirals and we compare it to other people that we may not see that side of their life and we're like, man, someone is doing it right over there. And that just leads us to ask the question, man, what am I doing with my life? Uh, have you ever done this before? Uh, is this just something that maybe I'm experiencing by myself? Uh, I, I think that maybe we can all relate in, in some type of way. Followers of Jesus are not immune to this either. I think we compare our relationships with Jesus to other people's relationship with Jesus. And we're like, man, I just wish I had a little bit more of what they had. Speaking of Mark Zuckerberg, um, a lot of us in this room are on what we call the Facebook. and, And we look at pictures that people put up, people that we're connected to, people that we know, other followers of Jesus, and they put pictures of their perfect families. You know what I'm talking about? Especially around Christmas time. You know, people love putting their pictures up. And you know, all of these vacations that people do. And it seems like to me, every picture that I see of other families, mom and dad look great. Not only do mom and dad look great, the kids, their hair is combed. And it actually looked like those kids took baths. You know what I'm talking about? And you're looking at at these stories and you're just like, you're like, man. I look at at my kids. Why do my kids look homeless all the time? Uh, I mean, this is not my kids. I'm just saying. Generally, we may feel this way, right? It's nothing uh, directed toward towards my family at all. I'm just some of us may feel this way at some point. (laughs) Has my kid had a bath this week? I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to get in trouble if I keep going. So I'm not. I, I, if it's not that, the, the, maybe you're on Instagram, again, just a social media platform where lots of pictures are thrown up, and you see followers of Jesus at coffee shops uh, with this perfect coffee and their Bible open, and you're like, man, that person is on fire for Jesus. I don't know why we make that jump, but, but we automatically do, right? Uh, and then you start thinking about your morning, you're like, dang, I hit snooze 10 times. Uh, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> If it's not that, then um, we we may see people like Shaylee Padilla. Um, You guys know Shaylee Padilla. She's someone who goes to this church. I'm not going to point her out. She likes to point herself out, and I allow her to do that in her own due time. (laughs) I knew it. I knew it. Thanks, sir. I didn't. You just did it. That was great. Uh, But people like Shaylee, you know, she's involved in her hands in so many different areas. She just finds herself um, uh, just helping out in so many different ways and you you, you look at your life and you look at hers and, and you're easily just to be like man what am i doing with my time i just feel like i am just wasting it all right um some of us even compare our own jesus stories or our own salvation stories for some of us in this room we've grown up in the church and we don't have this like great miracle that happened where we went from going this direction to that direction and you're like man i just wish my story was a little bit more glamorous i think i missed out Maybe I should start doing heroin or something, you know, and then God can heal me from that, and I can just tell people. um, I I, I joke in a way, but I have this friend uh, from college. uh, Her her name was Amber, and um, she was telling us a story, and it was the funniest thing. First of all, she's a great storyteller, so I wish she was here to be able to tell it, but I'll I'll try to encapsulate it. So she grew up a pastor's kid, Um, and so she, just normal story where she grew up in the church, uh, probably couldn't pinpoint the time where she gave her life to Jesus, but it's always just kind of grown up loving Jesus. Um, And then she ended up being baptized and she's doing all of these things, you know, just living life normally. She goes to college and she's hearing other people's stories. So people from college, she went to a college in a different town where my wife and I went and no one knew her. So she went on this mission trip where no one knew her and people were sharing their testimonies And she confessed this later, which makes her pretty miraculous in my mind. She lied whenever she was giving her testimony. And she started going off on how she was addicted to drugs in high school. And she was an alcoholic. And God redeemed her. And she gave her life to Jesus. And Jesus changed it all. And I said, girl, you're the worst of all sinners. Like, being able to lie about your testimony. She's like, I know. I I don't know why I did it. I just feel like I needed to make my story a little bit better because I just felt kind of boring. Again, it's an extreme but I think in some ways we, we tend to do this in our, in our lives, this comparison game. We start downplaying our monumental moments. The, these moments that we have in our life, they, they shake up, shape us. Focusing specifically on our relationship with Jesus, I think we may have a tendency to downplay, to ignore, or so sometimes to even just forget because life happens and we forget about these monumental moments. What I want us to see and experience this morning is that God... He wants to use these moments to remind you who He is, that He is there, and that He is never going to leave you, no matter what you're walking through. God wants us to remember, based on our experiences with Him, He wants us to remember who He is. I love a story in um, Joshua chapter 4 and 5. I'm sorry, 3 and 4. Joshua 3 and 4. So. The story goes where uh, in in Deuteronomy, the book right before it, we're able to see Moses who led the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. Lots of life happened inside that 40 years. Lots of parts of that story uh, that aren't relevant to to why I'm sharing this. But so Moses dies. He's not going into the promised land where Israel is about to go into their promised land that God promised them. He is now dead, and Joshua takes over, and um, there are Israelites who are encamped on the east side of the Jordan River. If you know your geography, that's the wrong side of the Jordan River of where the promised land is. God wanted to prove to Joshua that I am with you just like I I was with Moses, and he was going to do something pretty great. Imagine this, 2.5 million people, roundabout, give or take one or two, um, 2.5 million people are encamped on the east side of the Jordan River, the wrong side of the Jordan River, and how are they going to get into the promised land? That's a long river. I can't remember exactly how many miles it is, but then there is um, the Sea of Galilee, and um, there is the Dead Sea at each ends. It's not easy to just get around. God had a plan. God had a pretty... <laughs> amazing plan as the ark of the covenant led the people what god told joshua to do is to have one person from every tribe remember there's 12 tribes of israel one person from every tribe to um, get onto the ark of the covenant they're not sitting on it because then they would die but that's that's not part of the story um they they were all holding the poles and they were all going to march the ark of the covenant across the jordan river and the story is shared in Joshua chapter 3 that as the, um, the people with the Ark of the Covenant took steps into the water, that God stopped the water from flowing. And the next step they took, the water stopped flowing. Just like the Red Sea, the Israelites were to cross through the river Jordan into the promised land. Here's what I want you to know about this story. That's an amazing story as is. But Here's what I want you to get. As they cross through the Jordan River, God told Joshua to tell the people of Israel, have one person from every tribe pick up a giant stone from inside the Jordan River, carry it on their shoulders until you get to the other side. When you get to the other side and you get to the place where you're going to encamp tonight, I want you to take those stones that came, again, from inside the dry river in which they're crossing. Then they, He said, I want you to stack them up on top of each other so that it may be a physical memorial to what I just did for your nation. And it's going to be there. And as your kids grow up who didn't cross through the, the river, they're going to be able to see that monument and say, and remember exactly what God did during that moment and I I love and I'm just going to read just a couple of verses from this to just drill down this point that in Joshua chapter 4 starting in in verse 5 it says this and Joshua said to them pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan take up each of you a stone on his shoulders according to the number of the tribes of Israel that this may be the sign among you that your children may ask in time to come what do those stones mean then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over to the Jordan, the waters uh, of the Jordan were cut off, so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. God is, it seems like he's always driving the nation of Israel to remember. We're going to set up festivals and feasts to remember We live in 2018, and we live in a moment where we just, we live in the now. Because of many different circumstances, we forget about what has happened in the past. When God says, that's a memorial. It's a monumental moment that I'm going to use to shape you and remind you, and that you can tell your kids to come exactly what I have done in your life. I'm sure that if we stop and we thought for a moment, each and every single one of us, for those of us in this room that call ourselves followers of Jesus, we could think of a few things where we've seen the hand of God move and work in a very clear way. And I'm going to ask you this morning to just think about that. What is that moment for you as we just continue this conversation moving forward? Two major memorials set up for us inside of Scripture is... Our salvation story which is directly connected to our baptisms and that's what i want to spend the rest of our time this morning talking about is the importance of 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 the salvation story of our salvation story of coming to know jesus and how that's connected to our call jesus's call to us as far as of jesus to be baptized so the first thing that i want us to see is that salvation brings us into god's story I really wrestled with the language here because I really wanted to say our salvation story brings us into God's story because it it is our salvation. It's something that's so personal to, to us with God, right? but I think we get stuck in this trap where we own the story. It's something that I did, that, it, that, it's, that it's ours, and we just take possession of it. And, and there's, there's some truth to that. But the reality is, is you did absolutely nothing. God is the one who pursued you, who made Jesus glorious in your life. And it is not actually your story. It's God's story. It's not your salvation. It's God's salvation that he bestowed upon you. So just know that that's a wrestle in my own heart just to say, and this is salvation. And salvation brings us into god's story do you know what i mean by salvation i think another word that we could use is is rescue right as sinful human beings none of us in this room are um immune from sin as sinful human beings our good choices could never outweigh our bad choices to where we could be in God's good graces. We need rescue from our sin. And this is why Jesus is so important. While, Jesus, um, while this conversation of who Jesus is as we talk with one another and as we share stories with one another, this is what separates all religions from Christianity is because Jesus is the one that enters into the story and saves and redeems and rescues. Some of this may, this thought and idea may just be something that we've, we know and we know really well. Don't tune me out because this is something I want to call us to remember and feel as we run back to those moments, as we run back to the fields of when we ran with Jesus uninhibitedly. Before life happened for some of us, we could just remember what Jesus has done for us and remember those moments as we just continue to move forward in this conversation. So salvation brings us into God's story. Three things that I want us to see is, first and foremost, as I just started saying, salvation centers on Christ. It centers on exactly who Jesus is, what he did on the cross to bring us rescue from our own sin. What you're gonna hear from that baptism stories in a, in a moment are just how Jesus did that very same thing. It's not that God is just, good and great and mysterious and and there's a god in the world but no jesus saves it sinners on him secondly is salvation is about our surrender so once jesus makes himself known we surrender to his authority and who he is and we put ourselves underneath him as he directs us and guides us and shapes our lives as I was talking with two of the, the girls getting mar- uh, get married, sorry, that was super weird, uh, as two of the girls getting baptized today, is, um, is that I totally lost my train of thought after I said that. I totally apologize. Um, it was awesome what I was gonna say, but now, now it's gone. Okay, um, salvation centers on Jesus. Salvation is about our surrender. And thirdly, salvation is the moment we move from life to death. We all, we move from death to life. I tell you, it's all mental. This is why this is a conversation. You've heard me say that a couple of times, right? I need you, you need me. Oh my gosh. Thank you, thank you. Goodness gracious. All right, the slide says it, right? Right? Okay read don't just listen um <laughs> salvation is the moment <laughs> where we move from death to life please don't lose the impact of what that is it, it is that moment for us now here's where, where, where the story gets a little um, murky for some of us i, I, I want to just call it out that that some of us in this room um, just like my friend amber that i was telling you about before we, we grew up in the church We've been in the doors ever since we can remember. Well, I don't ever remember not knowing about Jesus, and I don't ever remember not saying that I love Jesus. And now I'm a 15-year-old, or I'm a 17-year-old, or I'm a 19-year-old, or maybe I'm a 40-year-old looking back and like, I can't remember that moment when I moved from death to life. So Jordan, I don't know if I'm saved because I can't remember that moment. No. That's why I say It, it gets murky on when that exact moment took place for some of us in this room. That doesn't make it less miraculous and less true because there is that moment in our hearts and lives where we moved from death to life. There are others, in the, of, us, others of us in this room that have stories where we've been trapped in addiction, where we've been trapped in hardships, and Jesus jumped into our story and totally rescued and redeemed. That's my brother-in-law's story. He was 19 years old, and whenever he prayed to receive Jesus, he quit everything that he was doing that did not reflect Jesus. I don't know how he did it, but he did. And the next day, he just started running after Jesus, and he hasn't slowed down since. Some of us have those stories too, and we can find ourselves landing somewhere in between, right? The question that we must ask ourselves is, when did Jesus become real to you? I was that kid that grew up in the church, and I think I was genuinely saved early on. I think I moved from death to life early on in my life. I I can't remember that exact moment, but but I I really genuinely believe that Jesus saved me. But it wasn't until I was in college that, man, Jesus became really real to me. When did it happen? I can't point it out, but I can say, man, Jesus is real. So that's a question I want us to think about is when did Jesus become real to you? let's not minimize our salvation story because our salvation story is the greatest miracle that we could ever experience in our lives. That hits some of us differently because some of us are walking through cancer that is about and has the potential to take our lives. And you're like, right now, Jordan, I want that to be the greatest miracle is that I get more time on this earth. And I am absolutely praying for that very same thing. But beyond, that is nothing in comparison to Jesus moving us from death to life. I love Jesus's interactions with his disciples. There's a story in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is sending out 72 disciples. So, Other people started following him, not just his 12, and he sent them out. And he said, all authority, I'm giving you all authority to not just preach and proclaim, but to heal and to cast out demons. And he gives them really specific instructions. And it's really cool to see what the disciples experience in those moments. And they get excited to experience what Jesus had for them in those moments. People did get healed because of their prayer life. And people did um, experience or they did experience demons fleeing whenever they said, in the name of Jesus, flee. But when they came back to Jesus, they were so excited and so happy to say, even the demons listen to us, Jesus. Can't you believe it? First of all, he's like, yeah, I can't believe it because I gave you that authority, but that's not part of the story. Um, but what he says to them is so telling, and it's something for us to be challenged and encouraged with. Because Luke chapter 10 verses 17, it says that 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he, Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemies and nothing shall hurt you. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. This is our first giant memorial that God wants us to never forget. God spoke, you responded, and no miracle that you could ever experience will ever trump that experience okay moving on moving forward after salvation jesus calls us to follow him in baptism as we move into this part of the sermon this morning i do acknowledge that for a few of us in this room the conversation of baptism can be a very sensitive subject for us Maybe you grew up in a tradition where your parents baptized you as an infant. And that's not, uh, we're not going to um, downplay the importance of that at all. Looking into Scripture, I want us to see what the New Testament is pointing us towards. But I do realize the sensitivity of this conversation for some of us in this room. For other of us, um, we've gotten... um, We haven't given it much thought again the church has been something you've always been a part of and and you don't can't remember your salvation story you're just you've been coming for years and years and years and years and yes i know that i'm a follower of jesus yes i see baptisms but maybe you've never really thought to yourself this is something that jesus is calling me to do so i want us to look at it from that angle as well Yet for others of us in this room, this is part of your story. You've been baptized. You can remember the moment you gave your life to Jesus or the season you gave your life to Jesus. You can remember your baptism so that you can just look at this and be like, man, awesome, yay, let's continue to celebrate. And for those of us who are in that camp, I want to encourage us as we continue on today, as you continue listening and hearing, that much like sitting in um, a, a, a wedding, for those of us who are married, much like sitting in a wedding... I'm celebrating what's happening on the stage, and I don't know about your experience, whenever I'm watching someone get married or I'm participating in a, in, a, in a wedding ceremony, it brings up feelings of my own wedding ceremony, and it brings up feelings that I have towards my wife, and I'm able to identify with what's going on on the stage, even though I'm not the one getting married. Now, I, I want us to be able to walk there together today as we just continue to unpack the importance of baptism. I think there's something in this conversation for every single one of us as we just continue to move forward. So as we do, let's just unpack this. As the New Testament uses the word baptism, it simply means to plunge, to dip, to immerse. That's the New Testament understanding of baptism. Every example we have in the New Testament, it entails, something, uh, it, it entails someone being fully immersed in water after their salvation experience. So three things I want us to walk through uh, in the time we have remaining. First is this, is that we know baptism has nothing to do with bringing you salvation. There are, um, there are uh, traditions out there that, that will say this. So the Roman Catholic tradition attaches salvation to Baptism. And there are other um, evangelical, you can call them evangelical camps, that that may say the, the same thing. But that is not what Scripture points to at all. So I can say with confidence, as we read Scripture, we can look into it and say, we know that baptism has nothing to do with bringing salvation. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It has nothing to do with any kind of act that we do to solidify it. It is just a, a belief and a surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. That's where salvation happens and begins. Also in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says, For grace we have been saved through faith, and it is not of your own doing, but it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no man can boast. There's nothing we can do, we can physically do, to say, God, look at me, I'm good enough now, right? Not even baptism. So it has absolutely nothing to do about bringing salvation. But I want to spend a little bit more time on the second and third idea. Baptism is something all followers of Jesus are called to. It's a moment that God wants to use to say, look, I've spoken to you. This is a very personal thing between you and God as you surrender to his authority. we're able to see inside of scripture which we're going to open up a couple passages in a second and to see look at how the community celebrates what god is doing in individuals lives so it's an amazing and good practice for you to be a part of a community of followers of jesus And for you to be able to stand up and before that community and say, look at what Jesus has done. And again, a lot like a a, a wedding ceremony, we as a congregation are able to come around and say, oh my gosh, I celebrate and I clap and I rejoice with what God's doing in your life because it reminds me of what God has done in my life. We get to see the Spirit moving as we do that. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, we see Peter giving a giant... um, sermon and many people are responding to the sermon giving their lives to jesus and uh acts chapter 2 verses 37 and 38 says now when they heard this they were cut to the heart so these are the people listening to peter's sermon when they heard this they were cut to the heart and they said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do not to bring salvation, but how shall we respond to this? What must we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As a response of what Jesus has done in us inwardly, we must just follow him. As we look at Jesus' example of what he has done, we follow him in that very same thing. Secondly, I want us to see Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission you may be familiar with. Matthew 28, verse 19. Jesus' call for us as followers of Jesus is to go. Go into your homes, go into your workplaces, go into your neighborhoods, go into your city, go into your world. Every single one of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is calling us to follow him in baptism. And lastly, and probably what I would put as most importantly for us to be able to see why, why is this important? Baptism is a symbolic act. First, baptism is symbolizing the death of our sin nature. Let's flip over to Romans chapter 6. So, in Romans chapter 6, what we're yeah, let's just read it and then we'll talk about it. Um, we're going to go verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were baptized, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness, of life the symbolic act of what jesus has done for us on the cross as jesus crossed over from life to death His blood bled out. His heart beat no more. And he did it as an innocent man, a sinless man, with every single one of us as sinners on his mind. He went to this place of death. And he chose to do it with joy in his heart. Doesn't mean it was easy, but he did it with joy in his heart. And he was buried in the tomb. And we know that he was raised to life three days later. That is the gospel story that we find ourselves entering into. And this symbolic act of baptism is just that. It's a symbolizing of our death. We're dying to our sin nature. As Jesus went into the grave, we go under the water. And then whenever we come up out of the water, we are raised to the newness of life, symbolizing exactly what jesus has done it's a symbol it doesn't bring salvation it is something that just shows what jesus has already done in our hearts for us to be able to do and celebrate together as a group of followers of jesus secondly it symbolizes being washed and cleaned from our sin going back to acts chapter 22 we can see that there acts 22 let's just look at verse 16 And now, why do you wait? rise and be baptized and wash your sins away calling on His name. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on His name. Again, we can read that out of context. We could take that right out of what's happening in Acts, and we can say, "Look, it's all about salvation. You can't be saved unless you're baptized." <laughs> There's something so much more. It's very symbolic. Again, as we're standing in the tank, notice as, um, as people are being baptized today that they're standing in the tank and they're dry. It represents our sin nature. We are unclean, but then we go under the water and we come up washed clean from our sins. Is there something special about this water? Is it holy? Does it physically do something in us or to us? Absolutely not. That came from the city of Hillsborough. Better than coming from Texas, I guarantee that. But anyway, we won't get into that. (laughs) If you lived here your whole life, you don't know what drinking water can be like. Um, There's nothing special about that water, but the reality is it's a symbol of us dying to Christ, of being washed from our sins as we're coming up out of the water. This is our giant second memorial that God wants us to look back at and remember. I'll just close with my story. Jordan's story of my baptism and what God has done with it maybe it'll hopefully mean something to you I remember being at my great-grandmother's funeral again growing up in the church I knew about Jesus I went to Sunday school like praise God that my parents led me in that way but that was the first time death became real as I was at my great-grandmother's funeral first time I probably ever saw a, a body that didn't have life in it and um, and I'm sitting on the front steps, and I'm contemplating super deep at seven years old. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm contemplating life, right? I'm like, man, what... What happens after you die? Like, what's going on here? And I knew the Bible story answers. And my mom and my sister saw that I was on the steps just thinking. And they asked, Lord, what's going on? And so I just explained, as a seven-year-old could, like, what I was thinking. And they're like, man, let's just pray and receive Jesus right now. Like, if you're, if you're at this place where you're uncertain, let's just make it certain. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So I prayed and received Jesus. And, um, and that was important for me because I look back on that. I'm like, man, that not, not that that prayer saved me. But that moment was monumental that I had with my parents, or my mom and my sister. And two weeks later, we were back at my home church and um, told our pastor, met with them, uh, I was baptized. And it, it was a very, uh, it was a moment that I remember in a, with a lot of details even today. As cool as that is, my story continues. So I, I went into college And I was 18, 19 years old, and I went and listened to a sermon by this guy. He was was a joker. But anyway, he pretty much told you that um, if you don't remember the moment and the exact day and the exact time and the exact time of when you were baptized, then you're not saved. And so I left going, oh my gosh, I don't remember. Like I remember the, the, the year, I just don't remember the exact time. And so therefore I must not be saved. Um, and I call my mom, literally crying. Remember, I'm the emotional guy. And so I'm calling, I'm crying. And I'm like, mom, I don't know if I'm saved. And my mom says, Jordan, you remember when you were baptized? I'm like, yeah, with great detail. She goes, yeah, you're saved. And it was like a light bulb went off. I remember Jesus spoke to me. I remember following him in obedience. I remember that was the moment that I would say, yes, mom, thank you. And it was huge into my heart and in my life. I just end with this. Have, Have you followed Jesus? Have you given your heart and life to Jesus? Have you made that first monumental step to say, I want to surrender to his authority? If so, have you followed Jesus in baptism? Um, Allow the Holy Spirit to remind you, if you have done this, allow the Holy Spirit to remind you what a significant day that was for you, especially as we celebrate in just the next few moments. If not, why haven't you done this? It's a good question to ask. It's good to just continue the conversation right after service. As Matt said during our announcements, we're having a class where we're just talking about baptism a little bit more uh, in a conversational style. We're able to ask questions and find out exactly what we mean. If there's questions in your heart and in your mind about this, find out more. Jump into this class and join the conversation. As we move forward, I do want to invite those who are being baptized up on the stage, and so uh, you and your families, go ahead and come on up this way, and as they're, they're coming up, what I want to do is just let you know a little bit about um, who's coming up here. So we have Mike Jett, who um, obviously is in the shorts. He's not going to be baptized in his suit, um, so he's, uh, Mike's being baptized today, and he's joined with two uh, friends who have been huge in his story of coming to know Jesus and so um, they're up here to just join him today and we have uh, Haley and Melody Jared who and their parents are here as well to just support them uh, and so um, their dad is going to be baptizing them mom's going to help out um, Melody a little bit she's she's a she's she's a little nervous so we just get to give them encouragement with smiles can everyone smile okay awesome some of you did I appreciate that so I'm just going to allow you to just share your story Oh, did it get turned off? Okay, he's got it. Perfect.